With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Cam, we got Donahue on the show today. What's up, everybody? All right. What kind of potato loves watching sports? I don't know. A spectator. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Rakes and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. With me, as always, is Cam. How's it going, Cam? What's shaking, Bacon? How we doing? Oh, not too much. Joining us today as a special guest host is the newly appointed Chief Financial Officer of Chatting Average Podcasts, LLC, and Coach Kirby Smart Lookalike, Mr. Jeff Donahue. Jeff, how's it going? What's up, my guys? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, Jeff, what, uh, I mean, we're all, we're all kind of in quarantine right now. What, uh, what, what have you been up to? Uh, pretty much life as usual. Um, our company is still open and operating. We're in transportation, obviously, with the airplanes and deemed essential. So nothing has much changed on my end. Um, my wife and son are home. Uh, Nikki, my wife, is doing work from home and homeschooling since uh, our son is not going back to school for the end of the year, it seems. Uh, so their life has changed, but pretty much normal business for me. So um, just missing sports incredibly bad right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rough one, especially as we're recording this. It's uh, it is April third, which was supposed to be the home opener for the Atlanta Braves. So I would uh, uh, love you guys, but I, I would much rather have been at Truist Park watching the uh, the Braves beat up on the Marlins right about now. Oh yeah, you I, I had was, tickets to that. Oh yeah, I, I was gonna I was going to like three of the first five games. I would have totally turned you guys down if y'all asked me to do this and the Braves were playing. I'd be like, no, man, no, <laughs> we wouldn't have blamed you for a second. <laughs> We'd be recording this at like midnight. Right. Cam, what have you been up to this week? Uh, yeah, you know, same of the same, just working from home and enjoying the, uh, the homebody life. Uh, I cut grass for the first time last weekend, nearly died, uh, choking hold on, on all on. you cut grass for the first time for the first time season or ever. Oh. For the first time this season. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's the... <laughs> yeah. Well, I was mostly cutting onions more than anything out there, but, you know, pretty much choking to death on pollen out in my backyard. But that that's another story. Good old North Carolina you, uh, pine tree weather. I just drove up to South Carolina uh, the day before the, the Georgia shelter-in-place went in effect, and I uh, hadn't driven my car for about two weeks, and there was about a half-an-inch layer 
of uh, of pollen just sitting on there. It was horrible. I had to hose the thing off before I drove just because I couldn't stand to look at it. We cannot gloss over what Jeff just asked us. What's that? <laughs> he, asked, uh, he asked that we don't have landscapers. <laughs> no, Jeff, we don't. Sorry. Oh, I love you, Jeff. <laughs> y'all, uh, y'all know that, and this is no doing of my own, but you know that my lawn has its own Twitter account, correct? I've seen that. Yes. Yes. You, you actually have multiple Twitter parody accounts, which is something that a lot of Atlanta Braves baseball players can't say. It's it's maddening. It, it honestly is mind numbing. I uh, I don't even know how I found the the. I think it's at Blessed Fescue. I again, nothing. <laughs> not I not forget who it was, but I remember them bringing it up. Yeah, it, I don't even know how I found it. I don't even think it follows me, which cracks me up. I think that's the best part. But um, it's just funny because like I don't need just, him. Yeah, I'm like oh, I don't need him. I have those landscapers, but yeah, I there's having. Just being a normal person and having a parody account or multiple parody accounts or whatever you would consider that, it's kind of strange. So, guys, what's uh, what's what's been the the Netflix pick of the week for each of you guys? Uh, well, uh, my my wife and I just last weekend. It's not on Netflix. We actually had to watch it on the IMDb app, uh, which comes on most of your Fire Sticks. We watched Chef for the first time, and that, that was pretty good. What's yeah, who's is that okay. a, a scripted show? Is that a documentary? No, no, no. No, so it, it is a it, it's a movie. It came out in like 2014, I guess. I, I don't remember it coming out at the time, but it's it was written and produced uh, by John Favreau, and he's actually the main character in it. Uh, he plays essentially a chef in the Los Angeles area, gets fired from his job at a high class restaurant, and ends up uh, starting up his own food truck. And it, it you know it's just kind of a kind of a little good movie. And then uh, coincidentally, from that, he has a spinoff series on Netflix. Uh, where it's actually a cooking show, and he's going around and cooking with different Hollywood stars and folks like that. It turns out John Favreau actually went through basic culinary training to do this movie to try to seem as legitimate as possible. That's intense. Yeah, that, pretty, that's pretty good. Movie. Go, go I, check I, that's it out. going on the list. Uh, Alex, I know you texted me the other night about it. I have not bought into the Tiger King yet. I have, I'm still one of the few in America that have not seen any of it. Although I feel like I know well, get down in the gutter thing. with the rest of us here, Highness. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, like, I, if you if you were on Twitter for more than twenty seven seconds a day, you know everything that's gone on in that show. I mean, I know characters, I know plots, I know the villains, and I haven't even turned it on the television. So, like, it's kind of like, why do I need to watch it if I already kind of know what's going on? So, well, um, I, I know we're all we're all beating up the Netflix. What have you been watching? I'm um, incredibly late. I tweeted this other day. I'm incredibly, incredibly late to the party, but we just did Disney Plus the other day uh, for the first time. I don't know why we've waited so long. I, I don't. I, I really. We don't do a whole lot of television here other than sports, but um, uh, we got Disney Plus. So I've been watching and catching up on The Mandalorian, which I think is freaking awesome. Ooh, um, I got so, that one. Yeah, we haven't I, done I, Disney, Disney Plus yet either. Yeah, it, it's you know we our son's almost ten, so he's into a lot of that stuff. So he um he's enjoying it. But yeah, the Mandalorian, it's it's I think it came out in November or whatnot. So we're way behind on it, but it's uh it's really cool. And I like it that you don't have to necessarily be a giant Star Wars fan to follow it because it's kind of its own thing and it's kind of wedged in after Return of the Jedi. So you can just pick up watching it and not even watch anything else related to Star Wars and and still enjoy it for its own thing. So. Uh, that's what we're doing. I think there's only like eight episodes. So you can't really binge it because it'd be gone already. So we're we're just kind of taking it slow. But um, that's about it for us. I've actually sure. been reading books, which I don't. Uh, those of you that know me pretty well know I don't really 
read a whole lot. So I'm uh, getting some books finished, but yeah, just taking it easy. Like I said, it's, when I come home from work, I'm still at work. I want to relax. So it's, um, but also I have to kind of relieve the first shift because Nikki's been at home, you know, all day with, <laughs> with, with work and child. So I think when I get home, they're both just kind of like, uh, and so it's, um, it's almost like a second shift. That's very well put. My, my wife and I have uh, got into one this past week uh, that I hadn't seen before. Have you guys uh, ever seen the Netflix series Don't F*** With Cats? No. <sighs> I have not seen it, but I have read the synopsis of it. And I, don't get me wrong, I enjoy like true crime stuff. My wife isn't a huge fan, at least not when it's going to get as graphic as it sounds like that one's going to. So we've kind of avoided that one so far. Well, they, they do a pretty good job of like they'll show the the very beginnings of the super graphic stuff, but cut off before it gets too, too bad. Right. So, I mean, it still makes your skin crawl because you you see the setup and you know what's happening. Um, but they're, they're not actually going to show you any of, of the horrible stuff. Um, so so for those of you who might not have seen it, basically there is this guy who is on the internet, on the dark web, just out for attention. So he starts putting out basically these, these animal snuff films where he does these, these horrible things to animals and puts them out there completely anonymously and essentially dares people to come find him. So the internet in the 2010s being what it is, there are people who are up for that challenge and it sort of follows along with, with them tracking him down as he gets deeper and deeper into his own web of crime. It's really an unbelievable story. Did you say it was uh, true? Like this is based off of true stuff or is it? Oh, it's a documentary. Yeah. There's, oh, okay. It's, it, it's uh, completely, completely unscripted. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a compelling watch. It's I wouldn't suggest watching it with uh, with Maddox around, uh, but if uh, if if he's ever if if he's ever away for a little bit, it's it's a riveting watch. I love animals. The the whole animal snuff thing would probably piss me off where I wouldn't even want to watch it. Well, you find yourself. I I, I completely agree with you there, but you find yourself rooting for the people who are trying to track this guy down. And it was it was to the point where I was I was trying to interact with the show, like like telling these people what they missed and, and what to do next. It was it's like, like we'll pick your own ending. <laughs> yeah, and it just the the story takes all these crazy twists and turns. It's it's like it's it's almost like a much darker version of Tiger King, just because you're 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 strapped to the TV. Once you're five minutes in, it's got you, and you're not going anywhere <laughs> well that's the same you know like i said you, you know almost everything that goes on with tiger king without seeing it and undoubtedly every person that's like hey i'm starting it like you'll see a tweet within about 10 minutes you're like holy crap like you know and so i know it's one of those things i'll probably end up watching at some point but once the hysteria dies down and it's kind of not cool to watch it i'll probably catch it but um well, it's just, just that that one's just a a, a train wreck of humanity um, <laughs> we get enough of that on the timeline every day. I don't want to watch it on television. <laughs> that, that's fair, but it's as if as if the the timeline was narrated by some some guys you found on the back of Lookout Mountain, Tennessee, with three teeth. I don't. I will tell you this though, without having a whole lot of knowledge about it, 
when Corey Lester took our pictures and put uh, or put, <laughs> put Joe exotic and put our face on it, I have not laughed that hard in a long time. And I'm sitting in my office like cackling and like, oh, that was walking by, like what's this, what's this, what's going on in this guy's office? And I'm just sitting there dying laughing. God knows I wasn't going to tell him because I don't try to talk to You guys to saw the Twitter. Tiger Woods King picture, right? <laughs> Look at the Which thing. One? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, like Twitter, Twitter never disappoints when it comes to memes and stuff like that. But um, I, yeah, I, f- I feel like I know the majority of that show. So eh, you do, and as, as did I when I started it. But by by the end of the first episode, I'm saying out loud, like I can't stop watching this. I've I've I, I've never been so thoroughly entertained. <laughs> well, you know, when stuff comes out like that, I always question: Is it popular because it's good, or is it because everyone else? <laughs> watches it and thinks it's popular or thinks it's good. So therefore it becomes good. And um, I'll say this, I, I, I wouldn't have started it had I, I not seen everybody freaking out about it. Yeah. Like I, I, in fact, I remember going to other things on Netflix and overlooking that intentionally. But once I saw that everybody was talking about it, like, well, I, I guess I got to see what all the hype's about. And one episode into, I think, the seven episodes that make up the series, I, I I couldn't possibly stop. I think we watched it all in in one night, if not maybe two. Well, that's that, that's a, another reason I haven't watched it yet is because, like I said, I'm still going to work, so I get up early in the morning. So I know if I start one at 9 o'clock at night, I'm not going to want to cut it off. I'll end up basically just staying up a little time to go to work the next day or calling out sick because I want to watch the, the final episode. So it's... it's, it's <laughs> It's probably more of a survival thing than, than that I haven't watched it, but I know I will eventually. Uh, it's probably for the best that you uh, you maintain the income. Yeah, certainly not watching baseball right now. Oh God! Did uh, did you guys watch the Braves at home opener tonight? Uh, watched the I watched a little bit of it. I I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what I was necessarily expecting from that. I will say that the most entertaining uh, entertaining segment on that entire program was the blooper reel. Featuring your favorite Braves mascot, Blooper. That that was that was really good. It's kind of amazing what bloopers become because I was I was one of them. A lot of people when they first announced that Blooper was replacing our old mascot Homer just couldn't stand the look of him, couldn't stand the idea of getting rid of Homer. And, and he's a brown Philly fanatic. Like I said, I, I I was right there. But they they totally reinvented the character and did a, did a great job with it. Yeah, that's a good like, comeback story. I, I'm the same way. Like I, when they first did the reveal, you know, everyone was just like, oh, so it's kind of like, wah, 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 you know. And, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what know, we all expected though. Yeah, I was sincerely expecting Chopper from Gwinnett. Yeah, that would have been so good. I, I thought I really wanted him to come over. I'm like, okay, they're gonna get a fish. Chopper will come over here. Chop, chop, you know. But um, <clears> when 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 Blooper came out, I was just it was just kind of like crickets. Like people are like. Is it Allegiant? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, um, but I saw a, someone tweeted pretty early on. I can't remember who it was, but it was very early on. They're like, like people are getting pissed about a mascot for kids. Like grown adults are like <laughs> raging about something that's for kids. I'm like, that's a good point. Like, why do I care what a giant, like, you know, mascot looks like? Like that doesn't affect my going to a game. And, and then once your mindset yeah, kind of changes that, you're like, he's kind of fun. demanding that professional baseball players lose their job for their performance in two consecutive games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not getting that. <laughs> I did not watch the, uh, I did not watch the thing tonight. Um, 
I didn't plan not to watch it, but uh, just happened to be about the time that my wife wanted to do dinner, and so we uh, we went and got some Zaxby's and came back. So, nice. but by the time we got back, it was over. So, I mean, I don't, and I kind of ride the line on those things. Like they're cool, and I really appreciate the social media team and and the digital team and everybody for giving something on a day that everybody wanted something. That was a really good filler. I just, it wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh man, I got to be there for that. You know, it's just one of those things like if I happen to catch it, cool. But it just hit right around dinner time and we were ready to go eat. So, uh, food. Another thing about me is I love food. So, uh, we decided <laughs> to go eat. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're a bit I, of I, an I Arby's say... connoisseur, right? I am, man. I love Arby's and it like, I didn't realize that's such a hot button topic. Like people either love Arby's or hate Arby's. And yeah, um, what's up with that? It, it's not like, hey, Arby's okay. It's like, oh, it's gross or man, I love it. Like if like if I could hook Arby's sauce to my shower head, I would. Like I love <laughs> Arby's sauce. <laughs> I, I, I love think Mickey it. might have a word or two to say about that. We have separate bathrooms, so she doesn't care. As long as I keep mine clean, she doesn't care. But oh, that's like the that's right there. Oh man, that's I'm telling you for anybody out there that's newly married or is getting married. The key is separate closets, separate bathrooms. You will stay married for a hundred years if you don't have, <laughs> if you have your own space to keep your stuff and get dressed and do your own shower. As long as you keep it clean, then that's that is the, that is my secret key to a successful marriage: is separate bathrooms. That's but, excellent um, advice. As someone who is newly married and doesn't have either of those things, we often talk about <laughs> how we'll know we've made it when we've got at least dual vanities and separate closets yeah i mean that's that's your first stepping stone right there but if you work up to if you ever have an opportunity to build your own home take i don't care how much extra it costs it's worth it it will save you and you can you can put it in the separate bathroom is what you would put in marriage counseling going down the road if you don't have a bathroom <laughs> so. but yeah arby's i've been a long time arby's aficionado i have i've i champion them whenever i can in fact the uh the uh, guy that runs their social media account is a big Braves fan, and uh, oh, no, based here. Yeah, they're based here in Atlanta, so obviously, you know, I like to support local. If you can call them local, but um, yeah, I love Arby's. Arby's and Chick Fil A. I could probably eat both every day and still be fine. I would weigh six hundred and twelve pounds, but maybe yeah. you can confirm or deny this this thing I've heard. What is Arby's an acronym, and if so, what does it stand for? I've actually never even given that any thought. Um, I I've, I had it when I was in school, middle school, actually, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I had this this uh, really old Bible teacher and uh, he's something of a legend in town. But he uh, one of the things that for some weird reason stuck with me was that he insisted that Arby's was an acronym and he said that it stood for America's Roast Beef. Yes, sir. I mean, it makes sense. I'd. I, actually, I, I have an alternate theory. Hear me, hear me out on this. Oh, Arby's God. is known for their roast beef sandwiches. Roast beef, R B, Arby's. That makes, oh, that I, makes sense. Yeah, well, there we go. I think that makes more sense, but probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, instead of yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> sir. Well, if you're a 12 year old in school and this 80 year old guy who fought in the Battle of the Bulge is telling you something, you're kind of inclined to, to believe anything they tell you. There, there are a lot of things that old Bible teachers in the South will tell you that when you get older, they're like, huh? like I remember, I remember 
Kiss, the band Kiss, it was Knights in Satan Service. I'm like, oh, oh they're, I heard yeah. that. And I get yeah. older, I'm like, I'm like, they're one of the greatest bands, man. Like, they're that doesn't mean that, you know. You're Marketing geniuses. So, yeah. So hey, know. I have uh, a I have a bit of a hot Arby's take for you. You re- you ready for this, Jeff? Okay. Okay. Is this a dad? J- is this a dad joke? No, I, I don't I don't go that low. Okay. So we leave those for the beginning of the show. <laughs> gotcha. So the three pepper sauce at Arby's. Mm-hmm. is better than Arby's sauce. I don't know if I've had three pepper. See, I, I'm so loyal to Arby's sauce. I, I you got to branch out, man. I, I don't, though. Like, that's so good, I don't have to. Like, I'm, I'm a horseradish <laughs> sauce guy as well. Like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Arby's, but if I'm eating good beef, I want some horseradish sauce with it. Some horsey sauce? Uh, I mean, horsey sauce is good, but any any horseradish based sauce goes amazingly well with just about any cut of beef let me i'll tell you all the story i used to have an apartment in marietta off of roswell uh, roswell road right right just down from the big chicken and there was an arby's uh kind of just outside the entrance to the apartment complex so we would walk up there all the time and this was in 99 98 99 and this was back in the day when they actually had the individual squirt bottles that you could take to your table and like unload the entire thing on a sandwich if you wanted to now it's like the pump with the little cups and you get like two ounces of sauce or whatever i fully believe hasn't been confirmed but i fully believe that arby's corporation had to change from the bottles which we as young 20s would i'm not going to use the word steal but we would procure them to take to our apartment to use um i think that they were losing revenue on those bottles unless they are posted limits uh, I think that's I, okay. I never saw I never saw one that said don't, and we were within about 100 <laughs> yards of it, so it was kind of still there. It's iffy, but uh, um, I know. Some, I don't think that's how that works, Jeff. <laughs> hey, I know some attorneys. I know I know what verbiage to use, but anyway, I believe in my own mind that I may be the sole reason that they had to change from the individual bottles to the pump style because all of their bottles were growing legs out of their Marietta branch and going to other places. But that's how <laughs> devoted I am to RB sauce. I love that place. So I can just family. see. I can just see Jeff getting notification of a lawsuit in the mail, and he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to buy you guys. That was actually <laughs> how Jeff got rich. He had a uh, a shed out back that he had full of Arby's sauce, and he sold it for millions and millions. Yeah. Hey, I, we had you, a, want, you want the horsey sauce? We had a well that just pumped Arby's sauce up from the, <laughs> the core of the earth. Well, now I'm picturing like an actual bucket that you, you wheel down into the well <laughs> and pick it up by the bucket. Oh, I would drink it. Trust me, I'm telling you, man. I I, I have a weird fascination with Arby's sauce, but um, that's good stuff. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, speaking of drinking stuff, what are you fellas drinking tonight? Well, I was uh, I was feeling a little bit tired before the show, so I've got uh, a glass of Jameson cold brew on the rocks. Very nice. It sounds weird, but but trust me on this, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's it's like a, a sixty proof. Whiskey mixed with cold brew coffee. Um, just throw it on the rocks by itself, and it's it's pretty good stuff. Gives you a that little bit good. of a jolt, and the whiskey you're looking for, too. You're going to yeah, be up I've all seen, night. I've seen commercials for that. It, lo- it looks pretty good. Yeah, it's worth I, a shot. Um, I am drinking about two fingers of Maker's Mark with one cube of ice. Just to Excellent give a choice. Little chill. Very um, nice. 
I uh, I drank enough alcohol in my twenties that I probably like kept several companies afloat with just <laughs> my revenue. So I find people re- at Jim Beam Industries want to thank you for your service. Oh. I'm pretty sure I kept Kentucky's uh, GDP like up for a long time in my twenties because I, I like I, I mean I, I I like the taste of whiskey. I think it's great. I love bourbon, um, but I don't drink as much anymore, obviously, because you know other things going on and you know zipping around with the kid here and there and doing all those different things that they're into. But um, every now and again, I like to just sit back like a night tonight socially, just you know throw a couple fingers worth of whiskey in there and drink them. Um, I love Bloody Marys. I think they're great. It's like a you know Saturday morning kind of drink. But um, yeah, oh, just just, just nice. a Maker's Mark tonight. What's your go-to Bloody Mary mix? Uh, whatever Nikki buys. I have no idea. Ah, fair I enough. I really don't. I really don't like. She just she makes them and they're great. Um, There's one you can to. usually find in the grocery store that uh, I, I remember using when I when I used a bartend called Zing Zang. That's that, uh, that, okay. Yeah, I was about to say. It, I think it starts with a Z. So that may be it. Really good stuff. Okay, that's probably it. And I used to do, um, I used to put uh, absolute, I don't know if it's pepper or papar, it had a weird looking name on it, but I um, used to put that in there because it had a little kick to it. But, oh, um, yeah. But now, nice. I love Tito's. Man, Tito's there's actually, uh, there's a company, I think it's called St. George's, that makes a green chili vodka with, with like uh, New Mexico green chilies. It is unbelievable in a Bloody Mary. If you, if you ever see that one out, uh, it's, wor- it's worth picking up just to try it that way. Yeah, you'll have to uh, you have to text me all that stuff because I'd like to uh, I like to experiment with that stuff. I I, I love Bloody Marys and you know I don't know what all I know there's you know you put some bacon in there you may throw an olive or some Worcestershire or that kind of stuff some hot sauce but um, but Nikki is the uh, the bartender she's not, she's not a bartender but she's our bartender <laughs> when the house staff isn't here is what I'm saying. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cam drinking tonight. Uh, tonight I'm I'm trying out the uh, Budweiser Copper Lager for the first time. It's uh it's aged in Jim Beam barrels, so it, it's not nice. bad. And I'm I'm chasing that with a little, a uh, little Jim Beam neat, uh, following up behind it. Oh, that seems I'm seems like serious. an appropriate tie-in. Yeah, yeah, not, not not too bad. I saw it and I thought, you know what? I've got uh, I got plenty of Jim Beam at the house. Might as well uh, pair the two. We talked about it the other day, Cam. Uh, you haven't been to Asheville, but we uh we go to the Biltmore a lot and they have a winery there that we we're we belong to their wine club members or their memberships. And so they ship us down to the wine. So over the years, I've kind of trans transitioned into more wine drinking than anything. And, and, um, I, I still, I don't do a lot of beer cause beer makes me feel so heavy now. Like I, like I can only do like two or three and I'm like, Ugh. like I don't want to, I want to eat or drink <laughs> or do anything. I just want to like, Ugh. so I kind of, kind of got into wine more and, and not like hoity-toity like hmm, i can smell the tannins you know and like that kind of stuff but uh <laughs> you know i <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a hint of apricot you know none of that stuff i just like the way it tastes and it's not like a yeah. you know this is I, a chill I know what I, 2014 I know what don't like but as far as as defining specific flavor profiles in wine that's not really my my avenue I don't, yeah i don't have the nose or the taste buds <clears> but i just know if it tastes good i like it and there's a lot of wines i never want to be one of those people that acts like they know what they're talking about when they don't, especially on other people, because nine times out of ten, the people you're talking to is like, okay, this guy's an idiot. But, uh, you know, like when, when we go to like a wine tasting up there at the winery, and they're like, oh, are you getting the, the, the taste of this this grape? And I'm like, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'll never offer it up. I'll never be like, oh, I'm getting a hint of apple. And they're like, there's, there's no apple in that, sir. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> 
everybody can can taste things differently. Everyone has a different palate. Yeah, I mean, I know what's in there because they say it, but like, I don't know if I'll necessarily pick it up. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Well, funny enough, cigar snobs are the same way. You know, I I oh, consider absolutely. myself a bit of a cigar enthusiast, but when I read these flavor profiles that you know some of these guys write up about particular particular sticks, they're always like, "Oh, well, there's there's a hint of vanilla on the back end with with a mm-hmm. slight." You know, and I'm just like, no, nah, it, it tastes, yeah. it, it tastes like good tobacco. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, we it's we, we, we all crowd. make fun of these people who pick out these flavors, but I bet you, if we put three or four whiskeys in front of all three of us, we could do the exact same thing. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> the, the the cigar and the wine crowd, they're 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 a lot of the same people, though. I get that. Like, you know, it's the you know, oh, it's the the cherry oak flavor. Just just tastes good. I like the way it smells. You know, it's kind of my, yeah. my thing with the cigar. But my father-in-law is Colombian, so he's got good stuff. Not, when I say good stuff, I don't mean good stuff. I'm talking like, you know, <laughs> like legal good cigar. <laughs> let, let's, let, let's clearly define this, Jeff. We are not talking about that kind of business. But not, <laughs> so he, so I, I know a little more about that just simply because of him, but like I just, um, I, I bought a pipe not too long ago, just a, you know, wanted to get into pipe smoking, and my buddy's like, Dude, you can spend money on a pipe and maybe smoke it four times a year. He goes, just go to Amazon and get some cheap, you know, because you may not like it. So I got yeah. some, I got, I don't even know, it starts with an S. I was like Scott's or some kind of just, you know, plastic. It's not even like a nice wooden pipe or anything. But so I've been doing some of that with some cherry pipe tobacco. tobacco is or far more enjoyable to me than yeah. cigar smoke. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, I, uh, like we were saying earlier with the drinks, like I drink more socially now. Like it's something to do more about just the experience of like hanging out with buddies and having a smoke or, you know, having the whiskey or the cigar. And so it's not like I'm going to go out there and just burn one on the porch for no reason. Like I really won't do it unless I have a, you know, a couple of buddies over if we go somewhere. But, um, but so I'm, I'm kind of experimenting with the, the pipe tobacco, but I like it so far. Nice. I have to get me a smoking jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm pretty blessed. I'm I don't get stressed about a whole lot of stuff. I kind of operate on a pretty low blood pressure, so I don't really ever feel like I need to supplement something if I'm stressed or you know. I'm just kind of like okay, unless it's the first inning of a game five NLDS series. <laughs> Jeff, no, <laughs> that will stress me out. <laughs> yes. I was actually, you know, there was there was a period of stress probably. When it got to like four to nothing, I was super stressed out. But the time by the time we hit seven, eight, nine, nothing, I was I was sitting on my couch laughing hysterically. Oh, same I, here. I could not stop. If I don't if I recall, I think it was like a four or five o'clock game. I remember getting home from work, like like just absolutely hauling butt to get home to make sure I was in front of the TV on the, in the couch and all that stuff. And it came on. I think Nikki was doing something in the kitchen or another part of the house doing something. She's like, oh, I'll be there in a minute. You know, I'm like, game's on. Come on. Oh, I'll be there in a minute. And she was dinking around doing whatever she was doing. And she came in there. It was like 7 nothing already. And I'm just like, like you, I'm just like, I'm like, like we're done. Like, I'm laughing at this point. Like, <laughs> like you know, and I don't, I, some some people, man, they get too involved in the Braves. I used to be that way. But I'm not anymore. I'm just like, it's a game. You know, it sucks. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we played up on Twitter all the time. Oh, 10 runs, but or whatever, but. Yeah, it sucked, but it, it, did it, like, destroy quality of life? No, but it was so funny because, like, she came in. I remember her coming into the living room and looking at the score, and she's just like, what? And she's 
like, is this real? What? What? And I was like, yeah. I was like, just, and kind of went through the series. And she was like, okay. And then she turned around and went back out and finished doing what she was doing. She didn't watch any more of it. So, I think you're right about it being an early game. I, I want to say it was like 3.30 or 4. Because was, yeah, someone pointed out on, on Twitter, and I remember thinking this as well, like some people got home at 5.15 that day from work, turned on the TV to watch the game. <laughs> And got the instant jolt of we're down ten to nothing in the second inning. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know I'm if it's worse pretty... to watch it unfold in real time or just to get that that instant feeling of holy crap, it's already over. Well, I mean, like in Nikki's case, she wasn't invested in it because she walked in the living room, kind of like that meme where the guy walks in and turns around and walks right back out. Like that's <laughs> that's pretty much she, she the mouse in the hole. Yeah, exactly. She didn't see any of the carnage, any of the stuff. So she was like, oh, okay. Huh, season's over, huh? and like went on doing her thing. Like where I'm like, how did he drop that ball? You know, like, I'm like, you know, kind of like, what in the world? And and then you kind of realize, okay, we're I'm a pretty positive person, but I'm like, we're not coming back from this. I'm like, they're, they're in no way. And so at that point, I was just like, might as well watch baseball, you know, and just kind of watch the rest of it. But um, I used to be way more invested in just not just Braves, but like sports, man. I because I played for so long, and it used to just be like sports 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 and then realize like i'm just wasting all this emotion on a game i'm like it's like i'm not even like i remember the off season when we or i say we when um real muto and harper were free agents and i was like oh we gotta get them we gotta get them. you know and, and y'all know i'm not i'm not a stats guy so i'm like i don't care what his war is i don't care if he's worth 350 million like oh we need this guy da, da, da. And we didn't get him. I'm like, oh, Liberty Media sucks. And I was one of those guys on Twitter just, <laughs> just rage tweeting. You know, like, just being a complete ass about stuff. And, and then, um, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, it ain't, it's, it's just not really, I guess, not my money. I don't, why do I care? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, going it was to, just it, especially tough for a lot of us last year because, I mean, you go through the, the years of complete irrelevance, you go through the whole rebuild and, and, over the course of what four months you you've decided like look at these guys they can do it this is our year and then yeah. and then that well, I think it's funny too like it's it's harder when you're I think a younger Braves fan because you have kind of been groomed and grown up with them being really good like if you grew up in the 90s all you knew was division championships and you know, we go to the NLCSs and this and that. And so you were like, oh, yeah, Braves. Okay, they're going to win. That's they're a good point. I think, I think experiencing automatic. those late 80s teams might have helped a lot of us. Oh, yeah. My parents took me my first game, I think, when I was in 85, 86. And there was like 3,000 people there. Atlanta, Fulton County. Like, like you could hear individual people talking in the stands. And <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking like, you know, they would win like maybe – 60 games you know and it's just like they they just they weren't good and you know it's it's always that like boomer versus millennial thing so i'm not talking about that but like there are things that you saw in those 80s and 90s or the late 80s teams are like god they suck and you kind of saw it again in like the when they did the breakdown uh in the teardown when they sent kimbrell and hayward and everybody else out you kind of saw that for three four years you're like god they suck again so it's cyclical. I'm not, I, they're, they're, I, I think they're on the cusp now where they were like in 90, 91. So I think we're about to see this kind of this boom thing. But it is kind of nice to be a little detached from it. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm not a, not as a good of a fan or I don't have a 
you know, a brave shrine built in my house. I don't have ticket stubs from 1984 and all that kind of crap. Like that doesn't, doesn't give you your value in a fan. Like you can still watch a game kind of partially or, you know, not be as invested in every single pitch. I mean, like I remember there were times I'd tweet like after every freaking you know, ball, like, what's he doing? You know, I'm like, why am I wasting this energy? Like who cares? And when you detach a little bit more, at least in my, my experience, like it's a little more fun to watch. And you're like, oh, okay. Or you're, you're just not as pissed. I mean, I remember getting off, like games would go off, especially if we blew one, you know, in the, in the eighth or ninth or whatever. And like, like I remember it'd go off and I'd be pissed. I'm like, why am I feeling this rage for something I'm not even part of? You know, it's, it just, I took a step back and it kind of became a little more interested in it, if that makes any sense. I, I can really agree with that, Jeff. I'm, I'm definitely, obviously, the younger portion of the show. So, he's just you know, a wee baby. <laughs> so, while I saw the later half, uh, uh, you know, of the 14 straight kind of run, you know, for me growing up, my run was really the 2008 to 2013 teams. That's really where I started getting invested in, like, learning about guys and reading about the farm system. And my, my, I feel like my kind of turning point was last season, the opening day game where, you know, we kind of just got our doors blown off by the Phillies. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. I tweeted that day after the game ended and, you know, we had a terrible loss, bad way to start the season. I tweeted – Two years ago, I'd be in the shower crying right now, but I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that because I know there's 161 games left, and I just I don't know. I don't know if it's me, you know, becoming a dad right before last season started or what. But I I understand what you mean by kind of flipping your perspective on mm-hmm. baseball. And I, I remember there was a point early last season where, you know, and I talked about it last week. The bullpen wasn't great, so we were, you know, blowing games on almost a regular basis for like a two or three week stretch there. And the day after a game, I was on Braves Reddit, which if you've ever been there, you know how overreactionary that whole bunch can be. You know, I never have it. Yeah, I've never done that thing. Well, they're a fun bunch, and shout out to Hanlet on Twitter. He, you know, he keeps them in line over there. That dude is Um, awesome. I like that guy a lot. Yeah, that. I, I, I can imagine the amount of work that guy puts into his content has to be astronomical. And it's, it's all well, on, on, on top stuff. of, on top of being pretty much the main moderator for Braves Reddit, which is just unreal. I can't remember how many people they have in that Reddit right now, but it, it's kind of nuts. But I remember, I don't think I'd wish that job on my worst enemy. No, not at all. But I, so I remember the day after the Braves had, had blown a game, you know, I, I made the point in, in the daily thread about, you know, some of you have really got to take a step back and, and, you know, look at me trying to talk to the masses and, you know, talk them off the ledge. But I made the comment that you have got to be able to ride the ebbs and flows of a baseball season to get through it. Otherwise, you're just going to end up hating it if you, you know, have a knee-jerk reaction every time there's a loss. And I'll never forget it. A guy replied to me and said, well, obviously you're not a big Braves fan if last night didn't bother you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's stuff like that, and that's that's what I, like I'm all for letting people, you know, get it out of their system. But when you start coming on to onto the internet and questioning people's fandom because of how they're reacting to something, uh, I I can't I can't take that. Yeah, I think there's a there's a fine line between like making it sound like you're telling people how to be a fan or how they tweet or how they should do something, and just saying this is my experience. This is what I came from. This is what I do now. 
and and you're you're kind of offering perspective more than saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, you should be doing. That. You can tweet what you want to. I don't care. Like, but how it, boring would it be if we like all a, felt the exact same way about everything? Well, yeah, and but like to me, it's like you kind of look like a jackass if you're like rage tweeting a June 13th Marlins game. Like, who cares? Like, you, know, like, yeah. you know, I mean, like, okay, cool. Cunha was 0 for 4. Like, he doesn't need to be sent to Gwinnett. Like, you know. And, um, but but also, like, I think it's just, like, it was like you just said, Alex. Like, who, like I don't want to, like, I don't want to be a robot and just tweet everything that everybody else does. But I think, too, like, nowadays with social media, like, if, you know, flashback to, like, 1996, like, if, you know, Jim Lairitz, it's a, hanging slider at Mark Wohler says like, you're pissed, but you're pretty much only pissed with the people in the room you're watching it with. And then maybe the people you talk to at work the next day. But now you have 4,000 people at your fingertips that are also pissed. And it just kind of incites this rage and this narrative. And like, you know, you may not be that mad about it for a long period of time, but when you wake up the next morning, there's still, you know, 2000 people tweeting about it. You're like, yeah, I'm so pissed. Ah," You know, it's just like, "Mm." so it just, I, I think it's like you said, you just, just control your own thing. I didn't realize this was a psychology podcast. Was, was, <laughs> Man, we're we're getting uh, we're getting pretty deep here yeah. tonight. I, I'm not licensed, so whoever's listening to this, do not take my advice as <laughs> legal advice. Hey, Alex. Uh, now that we got all of that out of the way, I think it's time to moving to our weekly topic. What do you say? Oh, that sounds good. What do we got? All right, so uh, as many of you know, we put up a topic thread a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, we picked our top four suggestions from that thread, put them on a poll, and in the order in which they were voted on from greatest to least, we are th- that is what decided the order of topics for the next four weeks. Here we go into week two, and this week's topic is favorite Braves teams slash players. And the caveat to this is it obviously cannot be anybody on the current roster or the current roster itself. A uh, big shout out to Inky at Inky369 and at Braves Ashland for a bit of a combination suggestion on this one. Inky suggested the favorite Braves team. Ashland suggested the favorite Braves, Braves players. And we decided to combine those two uh, for our topic this week. So, guys, favorite is the Braves. One, is Inky the, the one with the Pac-Man thing, the Abby? Yes. Yeah, uh, he's a ghost. Yeah. Yep, I've seen it. Yeah, we, we've seen them out there. So, again, our, our topic this week is favorite Braves teams and players uh, other other than the current roster. So, uh, I, I guess I guess in, in order of how we usually do these things, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, favorite, uh, favorite Braves roster, favorite Braves team. That was – I, I kind of thought about this today, and it, it was a bit of a difficult decision for me to think of. So – uh, I, I kind of at first I almost wanted to go back to a roster that I saw, you know, when I was very young and, you know, kind of one of the first teams I really remember watching. Uh, then I, I thought about maybe memorable seasons and I really couldn't latch onto that one like I could the one I'm going to go with. So the roster I'm going to go with is actually the 2013 roster. Uh, so right before the rebuild happened, uh, keep in mind that we are just uh, a few years after Bobby Cox's retirement. Freddie Gonzalez is at the helm of the team, and then we're just a season after Chipper Jones' retirement. So even though even though Brian McCann was still there, and you still had some of the pitching uh, some of the pitching mainstays still on the team from when Chipper was still there, it almost this team almost felt like it had a 
kind of a fresh new blood sort of feel to it. Um, you during the offseason, we got both of the Upton brothers uh, who right off the bat within the first month of the season had kind of a, a memorable start. Uh, specifically, they went back to back with homers uh, to walk off a game one time in early April. That was really cool to see. Uh, but I don't know. Offensively, this team was just really explosive. It was really fun to watch. Uh, I, so I was reading up on them again today because it's been a few years now since we've since uh, we, we got to experience that season. And at one point they went on a 14 game win streak. I don't know if you remember that, but 15 that games the one they opened the season with or is that later in the year? I, I, that, that's later in the year. That was late right. July through early August. I know uh, once they, you open the year doing something like that, I can't remember, but yeah, I remember there was a long series, like the first two weeks were all wins. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. So the franchise record is actually 15 wins in a row. And I remember 2013. So just to put it in perspective for me, I graduated high school in 2012. Uh, I'm in college at this point. And so besides going to college and, you know, working a restaurant gig at night to get myself through college, I'm watching baseball and that's kind of my thing. And so this was the first real team that like I really just got into and was on message boards reading about and, you know, checking the news daily on. So it it was just kind of a fun season for me. Um, Just some other stats on this. Uh, These guys won 24 games that season in their last at bat. They had 44 comeback wins that season. And and the thing that everybody remembers about 2013 is just the offense. It was just home run after home run after home run. But the thing about that was that it was either it was either feast or famine. And of course, when the playoffs came around that year, the bats went silent. And, you know, we fell to the Dodgers in the first round, you know, la-di-da again. But that whole season was just fun because especially you lead up into the offseason, you get both of the Uptons. You know, there's this kind of renewed sense of, okay, Chipper's gone, but this team is still trying to put something out on the field to make a push for it. And they won the division that year. You know, th- this wasn't a bad team at all. This was a, this was actually a really good team. But I don't know. It, it was just kind of a fun season. So I think as far as picks go for favorite teams other than this current one, I, I, think, I think 2013 uh, is my pick. I love that 2013 team. I actually got to be there at Wrigley Field when they clinched the division. That was a lot of fun to watch. What about uh, what about your favorite Braves player that's not on the current team? Uh, okay, so favorite Braves player that that's just really easy for me. It, it's Chipper. Uh, so for me, being born in in '93, the the majority of my upbringing watching Braves baseball, Chipper was our third baseman. And so he, he was the guy for me. Uh, third base was the position I played the majority of, of my you know youth baseball career. Uh, at any point that we got the chance to pick our jersey numbers, I always picked number 10 just because you know Chipper was the guy to me. And I, I think I've said it before on the show, but Chipper may or may not have been the reason that I became a Braves fan just because for me growing up in the South – you know, with, with not a lot of access to national television, two stations that we got were TBS and WGN. And so being able to see the Braves and the Cubs on a pretty regular basis, you know, Chipper was really the catapult for me becoming a Braves fan just because it was an easy it was an easy analogy for me to look at him and say, hey, that's the position I play and that's the number that I like. And so from there on, Chipper has Chipper was my favorite player and will probably always be my favorite player at this point. Pretty solid choice. Yeah, I can't argue with either of those. I'll uh, I'll, I'll go with my my favorite 
non-current Braves player, and I intentionally picked one that I was fairly confident that neither of you guys would pick. That would be first baseman Andres Galarraga. He wasn't with the Braves for a very long time, but but he was he was what I like in baseball players. He was he was a, a, a pretty big dude, first baseman, could hit the ball a country mile. And on top of that, he had a really cool story of of having beaten cancer and kept coming back from it. So it was it was impossible not to root for the guy. Had an awesome nickname. He was the big cat. Uh, so that that one's that that one's a pretty good one for me. Um, as far as uh, the Braves roster uh, that I enjoyed the most, I, I'm gonna exercise some recency bias here uh, and go with the 2018 Atlanta Braves. I, I wasn't old enough yet to really appreciate what the the worst of first Braves did in the early 90s. Uh, so the closest thing I've got is that 2018 team. Uh, th- this team, let me throw out some of these names at you that, that were on this roster. Uh, you've got guys like Ryan Flaherty, Preston Tucker, gorgeous Peter Borges, Danny Santana, Lane Adams, Lucas Duda, Carlos Perez, Chris Stewart. All these guys played and got plate appearances for this team. And still somehow this team that was pretty bad in 2017 managed to win 90 games and and win the division in the NL East. And they didn't go terribly far in the playoffs, but had that one really exciting win in uh, in the division series against the Dodgers. But you you wind up getting great performances from from these no name players. You've got you've got Lane Adams uh, coming in and and with an OPS plus of 129, which is is silly to to hear from a a, a name like that. It's it's it, again it's impossible not to root for guys like this. These these are. Uh, mostly no names, even though you got to see the the advent of players like uh, Ronald Acuna and and Ozzy Albie starting to hit his stride. Uh, it was it was just so much fun to watch, and and we'd been through a we'd been through the rebuild. We weren't supposed to win yet. Like 2019 was 2019 2020 was what we were aiming for with that rebuild, but 2018 came around, and we we were way ahead of schedule and and we got it done way before anyone thought we were going to and and that was a really exciting time to be an Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah, I, I I would definitely agree. I I came very close to picking 2018. In fact, it's one of the years that I wrote down just because for me 2018 was a really fun year in, in the sense that it it was the first season that with me living in North Carolina, I got to go to multiple Braves games that season. So that was cool for me. Uh, I went to the second game of the year, uh, right after the big Nick Marcakis walk off the night before I was at the next game where they, where we lost to the Phillies in extra innings, but you know, it's still opening weekend of baseball. You know, it's a great time, but I remember, I remember going into that season, just thinking, okay, a lot of projections have us just shy of a 500 record. My thought was, if we can finish 500, I will be more than happy with that, or right around, or right around 500. Even if we're, you know, 79 and 83 or 80 and 82, I thought that will be a quality season. So that entire season for me was just nothing but a pleasant surprise. You know, winning 90 games and ended up winning the division. It, it was just a really fun time. Jeff, what do you got? What's what? What's your 
favorite non-current Braves player? All right, I'm going to go ultra cliche here. Um, I'm obviously older than you guys, so Cam was born in 93. I was a sophomore in high school, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was around for those years. Um, I'm going to go with obviously the 1995, the World Champion team. Um, it's an easy pick. It's kind of low hanging fruit, but for me personally, kind of like Cam was saying, I had just graduated high school in '95. Something that was huge and a lot, of, uh, not a lot of people remember, at least the young guys anymore. The Braves used to be in the NL West, so they played San Diego all the time. They played Los Angeles all the time. They were always out there on the West Coast. Had to play the Astros all the time when they were yeah. monsters. Yeah. All those games started at 10 o'clock at night, and if you're in high school, you're not going to stay up and watch a, a baseball game. So the Braves moved to the East in 94, and obviously that was strike-ridden season, but or strike-riddle season, but 95 was one of the first years that I was actually able to really invest myself in watching a lot of the games and it just so happens that was the year that they they won it all but i mean it's easy to pick the 95 team but um i mean you know chipper emerging and just seeing you know guys like you know the the, the pitching coming to, uh, to to fruition all that it was just it was just one of the best teams that i can recall not just because they won the championship but it was just fun to watch those guys it was kind of like the the when you're younger you don't care about guys stats as much like you didn't keep up with you know, what Limke, his average was or how many doubles Blouser was hitting on. So if you just kind of just watch baseball and it was just kind of fun to watch them and be successful and, you know, a lot of back and forth and, and, and late in the seasons and stuff. But um, just mainly because I was able to watch more games that year um, and, and missing out on all the games from the earlier part of the year, uh, the, the decade when they were in the West and, you know, you got to see like two innings before your parents made you go to bed. But uh, 95 for me. So I, I think I think we can't we can't gloss over that, Jeff, or at least I can't without asking you. At the time, you know, you got to see the 91 worst of first team, and you got to see kind of that rise all the way up until 95. Mm-hmm. You know, with the World Series appearances, and then finally in 95, capping capping it off with a World Series win. What was that time like? You know, just a few years prior in. 90 and 91 seeing this team you know kind of clawing their way up in the standings and making some some right you know correct moves to get where they got what what was it, it was, like seeing that it was it was awesome and, and again it was you you didn't really get to see it in the form of games as much because they played so many west coast <laughs> games that you, you it wasn't like now where okay i'm gonna watch them almost every night it's like okay if they played pretty much anywhere from, you know, like the middle of the country east, you'd be able to watch them because of the normal start time. But, um, and back then, keep in mind, there wasn't internet and there wasn't Twitter and there wasn't all this other stuff. So like you either got your information from sports center, sports. There wasn't telephone. <laughs> there was electricity. We got telegraphs. <laughs> we got the box score in on the wiretap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the uh, a, a horseman brought by our newspaper every morning. Um, but you know, you, you got your you got your news from Sports Center, you got it from Sports Illustrated, and you got it from like the AJC. Like so, you know, you didn't have this real time flood of information. So like, you kind of, you know, you go to bed and be like, man, I really, you know, we're 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 racing this team. I really hope that we won't beat the Reds last night, or I hope we beat you know whoever. And you wake up and you see it, and you're like, sweet. So it's kind of like a anticipation of it. But yeah, you know, like that was. 
that was really union or uh, I would say galvanizing for the city of Atlanta because like everybody started going back to Braves games because they just come off those dismal 80 years where there was like 3,000 people there. Nobody like, you know, nobody was at Fulton County. It was practically empty. And then all of a sudden it kind of catches wheels and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more people are going. And back then it's when like the AJC would put out a, a thing in the paper each day that would say like, you know, beat the Dodgers or beat LA or, you know, whoever they were playing in that series. And like people would take them from their home that night to the stadium. And like, you'd have, you know, 35, 40,000 people holding up these signs. And it was just, it was just electric. And then uh, obviously, you know, 91, but, um, but yeah, 95 was, it was, it was, it, it was, it, it's short lived though, because I honestly, just like everyone else, I thought they were going to rip off about four world series, maybe in a row. Who knows? I mean, like obviously we went back in 96 and we're like, sweet. This is it, you know. And then '96 happened, and then again in '99, and you just you, you don't know at the time that you're not going to get another one for a long time, which we still haven't. But uh, that was just an electric year, and like I said, that was the first one I really can invest a lot of time in watching the games and actually seeing them play, seeing all the the, the acquisitions and the the guys coming up and everything. It just kind of gelled perfectly, and and obviously Chipper was was in his infancy as being a, a player, and, and watching him sprout was was amazing, but. Um, yeah, ninety five. I know. I know that's an easy pick, but that's mine. Very cool. I, I think, and, and to I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on the you, you mentioned reading box scores the next day. You know, I know I'm I'm a lot younger than you guys, but I was still on the cusp of that. Not that much. Shut up. No. Okay. Well. Well. Still. I mean, if you know, you guys remember just stuff. Say that... Just say you can say me. I'm a lot younger than you. <laughs> But but I, I was gonna say you know you, you mentioned the whole reading box scores the next day thing that that's something that I I can definitely relate to just because during the summer uh you know spending days at my grandparents' house and it was my grandfather that taught me how to read box scores in a newspaper and so you know every day I would get to his house in the morning you know either my dad or mom would drop me off before as they headed out to work. And we would get inside, we would eat breakfast, and then my grandpa would sit down on the couch with me, and he would show me the local newspaper and say, all right, let, let's see how the Braves did, let's see how the Yankees did, you know, let, let, let's see how the Dodgers did, and that was just his thing. And so, I don't know, I think that's something that's almost lost now, you know? It, oh, it's, it's so, way gone, because now everything's instantaneous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just as easy for me to wake up in the morning and pull up the box score on the ESPN app on my phone and see, yeah. you know, how so-and-so did the night before if I didn't stay up and watch it. So I think the box score, reading it in the newspaper, is definitely a part of baseball fandom that my generation was probably the last to really see. But it, it, it's definitely a, a kind of a bygone era. But no, the 95 season, I definitely, that, that that's an excellent choice. And I, I could see why that would be, be your choice, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Well, what about your favorite a non-current Braves player, Jeff? Okay, I'm going to stick with the same era um, because obviously, like I was just saying, that's that's the time I really got to start watching a lot of games. But uh, there's been a lot of great Braves baseball players. There's been Hall of Famers. There's been you know Cy Young winners, all this stuff. But for me personally, when I was a kid, the one player that brought the swag it was it was Neon Dion. And growing, nice. up, growing up in Atlanta my whole life, I was a Falcons fan, still am a Falcons fan. So to watch him play for my favorite football team, 
and then watch him play for my favorite baseball team. Like that's that it doesn't get any better than that. Like, you know, it's just like this dude does it all. Um, and I forget if it was 30 for 30 or, or who did the documentary on him that, that went it was so good. On, so good. On him <laughs> doing the, the flying between games yeah. the same uh-huh. day. Uh, yeah. It was unbelievable. It was just, man, but, like, you know, was it a 30 for 30? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. It was. Yeah. Like, like last year, or year before, but not like to me, not only was he able to, I don't know if Brian Jordan did it with the Falcons and the Braves too, but like, not only was Dion able to do it, but he did it well. Like he, it just seemed like it was a seamless transition. He goes and plays cornerback and then he goes out there and he can play baseball and he's doing this and he's doing that. And we're in the middle of post seasons and this, this and that. And, um, I know he was a, a pretty divisive player with Sherholtz and all them, but like, Dion's just he was he was kind of swag to me. I think he's he he would if he played now he would be 100% you know bat flipping and all that kind of stuff that we see now. Like he, he kind of was the predecessor for for all those guys now that kind of walk around with with that extra little swag on them. But um, you know he was like I went out and bought his shoes. I had his uh, jersey. Like just all this stuff. Like you know Dion's just he 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 just kind of encompassed Atlanta. And, That's and, a great point. He was he was like the the twenty years too early epitome of let the kids play. Yeah, you know, and like and and I, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it at some point, but I did not like Jack Buck. I did not like Tim McCarver for all the the postseason stuff. And uh, I think Dion poured a beer or water or something on McCarver in the locker room and just made McCarver look like a jackass on television. A lot of people, you know, gave him flack about that, but I, I thought it was one of the greatest things ever um, because McCarver was trying to show up Dion, and he's like, nah, uh-uh. And uh, I hated that he that he went to the Reds. I think he went '94, if I'm not mistaken. So he missed out on the championship year. But um, yeah, Dion, hands down, uh, is is easily one. Of, I mean, obviously, like Cam's a chipper, and all these guys, like you know, there's so many to pick from. There, I mean, like you could just throw a dart and hit one, and it's probably going to be in the top five of your favorite Braves. But uh, for me personally, in that time frame, when I was playing, I, I always tried to emulate kind of like Dion swag, you know, never could back it up with the performance, but I acted like I could. Hey guys, what do you say? We listen to some voicemails. Let's do it. Time to listen to your voicemails. All right. So for the third week in a row, you guys have given us, Lots to work with here with the voicemail and text message segment. So we really appreciate that. And by all means, keep it up. Uh, we'll get right into it. The first voicemail here uh, is going to come from John, the blind donkey runner. Hi, guys. This is the blind donkey runner from Twitter, a.k.a. John. Just listened to episode two, and I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed it. You guys kept me laughing the whole time, and I will definitely be back Every episode, I look forward to it. You guys have a great one. Thanks, John. That's that, that's really cool. We appreciate hearing that. If if you guys don't follow John on Twitter, uh, look up the Blind Donkey Runner uh, on there. Not not a hundred percent sure why he calls himself the Blind Donkey Runner. Uh, hey, does a does a blind donkey have a seeing eye dog? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Camp's fired. No, just think about that. Just think about a donkey walking down the sidewalk with a dog next to him. That that sounds like a like a, a, a CBS comedy in the making. 
But anyway, one thing one thing I did want to say, if uh, if you guys haven't heard his story, uh, go look up his interview that he did with Nakahoma Nation's podcast. Really cool stuff. Uh, really inspirational story. Um, kind of kind of makes you wonder what 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 you're doing when uh, when a guy with uh, with, with uh, an, an affliction like blindness can get out and do as well for himself as he's been doing. It um, certainly makes me think about when I complain about something, how exact, insignificant my complaint is. I whine about so much. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Yeah, it, it, in all seriousness, that was something that, like, growing up, my dad was all, always told me was that, you know, somebody always has it worse. And so, you know, I really make a point to not complain about things, especially when you start to complain about something think about how trivial it actually might be and then you probably won't complain about it all right well up next let's see i don't have a name on this one but let's see what they've got to say watch wrestling like cam and i do that uh i I, last week we had uh the macho man randy savage call it this week we have the american dream dusty Rhodes himself all of the deceased popular late 80s wrestlers are calling into this show and i couldn't be happier about it does it make sense that i can see how that voicemail is walking I'm I'm surprised that the voicemail didn't actually come in with uh, black and yellow polka dots. <laughs> America. All right, let's let's get let's get to something we can expand <laughs> on a little bit. Uh, yet again, we have all of the ladies from the Mansplain Baseball Elsewhere podcast coming in. Uh, this is Emily. Let's see what she's got for us this week. Hey y'all, it's Emily. Since I have recently delved into the world of baseball movies after 31 years of surviving without them, um, I was just wondering, what is y'all's favorite sports movie? It doesn't have to be baseball. Extra points for something that most people haven't seen. Thanks. Bye. All right, Cam, I'll let you run with this one first. What do you got? Okay, so... I had a really hard time thinking about this one today. When I saw the voicemail come in, my immediate thought was, oh, that's easy. But then I started thinking about it more and more, and that be- that's becoming more of a hard choice. So hear me out here. I have a favorite baseball movie, but then if someone says, hey, what is your favorite sports movie? I have a separate movie for that, which also happens to technically be a baseball movie, if that makes sense. So your favorite sports movie is a baseball movie, but, but it's not my favorite baseball, favorite baseball movie. Okay. That doesn't make any sense, but by all means proceed. Okay. So I, I guess when I hear favorite sports movie, um, being a bit of a history buff, like I am, my mind immediately wants to go to a history based movie. So my favorite baseball movie, of course, is the Sandlot all time favorite baseball movie. I've seen it a thousand times. Just watched it a couple of weeks ago. It still holds up. 
favorite sports movie from a historical standpoint is the movie 61. It came out in 2001. It is uh, produced and directed by Billy Crystal. Uh, it was originally an HBO film, which is, I feel like, a reason a lot of people still maybe have not seen it or are not aware of it. Uh, it's about the 1961 season where Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle are going after the Babes' record of 60 home runs in a single season. And it's just, it, it's kind of a neat timestamp in baseball history. And the more and more you read about the 1961 baseball season, the more you realize just how thrilling of a season that was. You had this home run chase between these two Yankee players going after a fellow Yankees record. And there's a lot of historical accuracy in the movie. And it's just really well done. So if you're looking for a good historical standpoint sports movie that really hits the nail, uh, check out 61 if you can find it. That's a solid pick. So so for mine, I'm going to go with uh, the 1993 classic Cool Runnings. <laughs> I, I assume you have seen it. It is a sports movie. Bobsledding is a sport. I'm not it saying is, it's not. It is a movie about bobsledding, which sounds at at face value, it's that's awful. But you throw you throw a guy like John Candy in there with a, a great supporting cast, and and you wind up with just a piece of cinematic gold. What a lot of people don't think about though is the soundtrack. On top of that, you've got uh, reggae god Jimmy Cliff. His cover of I Can See Clearly Now led the soundtrack and it, it really good music on top of an incredibly funny movie with a really good story that was actually loosely based on a on a true story of the Jamaican bobsled team in competition in the 88 Olympics in Canada. Well, oh, I mean, one of the characters named like Sanka Coffee or he had like a there was there was Sitka. something Sick. Okay, I knew there was, there was something. Yeah. Like there was the guy's name was like coffee or something like that. But yeah, I remember that. Hey, Sitka, what you smoking? <laughs> I'm not smoking. I'm breathing. Imagine <laughs> them making those references in a in a Jamaican teams movie, right? It's right. a Disney movie. That's the thing about it. You can watch that movie right now on Disney Plus. It is a Disney movie <laughs> with probably a PG rating. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, solid choice. That's not bad. I'm pretty proud of it, Mr. Donahue. Let's go right ahead. What do you got? Okay, um, I've been thinking about this. That's a great question. So, my answer is not going to be a movie that is considered good, but it's a very cult classic kind of. Uh, just, just you had to see. It. It's kind of like how Roadhouse wasn't a great movie, but everyone loves Roadhouse. You know what I mean? Um, I'm gonna go with Cold Trickle and Days of Thunder. Nice. Ooh, okay. You made it. That movie was horrible, we're, but I love it. We're pandering to our southern-based audience now. I love it, <laughs> dude. That that movie was a rite of passage growing up here in North Carolina. Well, of course, yeah. There's, I mean, like well, the just the Robert Duvall was it Harry Hyde, like that. Just, it's just a great movie. None of that movie was. I mean, not a bit of that was factual based. I mean, like nobody says. I'm gonna take him high, and then like, no, like they don't say that crap over the radio. I mean, if, you, if you've watched, if you've watched three laps of a NASCAR race in your life, you know that none of that. Like you put a car on the wall, you're going inside. You're not going to finish the race. But um, it's, just it's a, not it, necessarily you know. the the historical accuracy, though. It's it's the 
it's how it feels movie. when you're watching it, and and they yeah. make it feel pretty real. I mean, and you, and the the scene when they're racing with the rental cars and they just return them smash like that. That's awesome. Like, I, who doesn't want to do that? I would love to go out there and bang rental cars together and just go, okay, thanks. Well, and and and, and two, uh, I was just looking. That movie came out in 1990. That that's really at the at the start of NASCAR. You know becoming quote-unquote mainstream with your pretty boy racers and so well, some people think that movie propelled them into that absolutely i mean you think about it you know jeff gordon comes to the scene what three four years later you know dale jr not not far behind behind that so i don't know days of thunder while not a great movie definitely was at a perfect a, timing yeah. You it's know, a that, fun movie, yeah. It's just a fun movie. It, it, like it's mindless. Like you can watch it and just go, yeah, that was fun. And, and yeah, good. That, that that was a that was a motion picture, absolutely. Like you know, you know before it's over how it's going to end, and you don't care because you still watch it. It's still fun. Good choice. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to this one. Um, let's see. Uh, it says it's from Joe, but I I don't think it's our friend Joe Seppi this time around. Let's see. Joe Exotic here. You know, as a Braves fan with no baseball, it really makes me feel like I'm in a cage. Kind of like this prison cell I'm in. That'd be a tiger's thing. I'm wondering, with us thinking, her rolling virus made by Carol Baskin, how can one as a Braves fan just keep from losing their soul, being locked in a cage with no baseball? I just don't understand. And also, I'm in the market for a new husband. Thanks for that. Well, Joe, uh, while straight, I have no interest in uh, methamphetamine, so... You know, uh, the, <laughs> the right amount of meth and money can make, make someone do just about anything, Dan, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Well, Alex oh. already said his favorite player was Big Cat, so that may be a little segue in. Oh, no! Alex, you gotta call him back. <laughs> yes, to be honest, how long have you had that one in your back pocket? <laughs> oh, that's that, not as that, long as Joe Exotic's gonna be in yours. PG thirteen. Oh, we had a good, oh, no. we had a good three episode run, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope we're not recording this part. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I, I Everyone else hopes we are recording this part. Tune in for yeah. <sighs> <sighs> okay, I need a breather after that. Um, <laughs> all right. Up next, we have, uh, again, from the Mansplain Baseball Elsewhere podcast, this is Braves Ashland. Hey, y'all. It's Ashland. I was calling this week because I had an interesting conversation with some coworkers, and I wanted to see what you guys thought. If you can pick one current day NFL and NBA player to move over to the MLB, who would it be? Who would do the best here? I'll hang up and listen. Love you guys. Bye. I love how Ashlyn like it's an actual live radio show. That that makes me feel pretty <laughs> legit. Can I just step in real quick? Has anyone ever thought she sounds like Miley Cyrus? I thought we were going to get through this thing without you singing. She actually so sounds like I'm the, saying tonight. No, she sounds like the girl that portrays Miley Cyrus on SNL. That, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, God, I know that voice. But anyway. Daddy. 
That's pretty cool. Let's get to the question. Cool. Cam. Yo. What, what what NFL and NBA players are you bringing in to Major League Baseball? Um, NFL's easy. I I'm still on the boat of I wanted to see Kyler Murray play Major League Baseball. Um, you, know, you, you took mine, man. I'm sorry. I mean, you're. I mean, you're talking about a guy that got drafted. You're never going to get another guest if you keep taking their picks. <laughs> Stop making me first. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we're talking about a guy that got drafted in the first round of the MLB draft. Um, you know, had a really good career at Oklahoma baseball alone. You know, and then you're talking about had a phenomenal career in football at Oklahoma. But part of me still would have wanted to see him take the baseball route and and officially sign with the athletics. And and when you look at all the hoops that the athletics were willing to jump through to sign this guy, you know, it it's it almost makes you linger and and really want to see him have gone that that road. So for football, that that's my choice. Um, Hold on a question to, to digress on that a little bit. Okay. If he'd signed with the Athletics, how long do you think he would have been in Oakland Athletic, given their tendency to not sign their big-name players to contracts um, beyond their rookie contracts? I I don't know. I mean, the, the Athletics are an interesting team right now. I mean, I I could have... When you look at what they were willing to do to get him to choose baseball over football, I think he would have been in Oakland at least two or three years to start. I don't know. Oakland's a really interesting team right now that, you know, with the Astros running the way, running things the way they are right now in the West, obviously Oakland is probably going to have to settle for the wild card unless they make a few big splashes. But Oakland's a fun team. Oakland's MO. That's not what they do. That's why, that's why it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because I mean, you look at guys like, like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, they're they're fantastic players, but they're nearing the end of their their first or maybe second deals, and I don't think anybody realistically expects them to sign with Oakland. Oh no, they're, for sure. They're I mean, talking about Chapman coming to the Braves for a while. They thought he yeah. was a low, like an off the radar acquisition for third. Look, I'm an Austin Riley guy, and I would have been okay with Matt Chapman coming <laughs> to Atlanta. Oh, same, easily. Yeah. Would you have become like Matt Chapman's mauler or something like that, like another yard tool, or <laughs> uh, maybe like Matt Chapstick? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, oh, that's gonna like that. happen yeah, now. Just, just spitballing here. You'd be like Matt, Matt Chapman's Ch- weed eater. Uh, how about about your uh how about your nba player i don't know i mean i i don't feel like i can really put an educated answer to this just because i don't follow the nba um as closely as you guys probably do just because you know from my home state we have the charlotte hornets which now that kimba's gone i don't have a vested interest in really so I, I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer for that one. I'll, I'll definitely leave it up to you guys to come up with some solid answers for that one. Uh, oh, come on, man. You're a, you're a Tar Heel fan like me. You've watched enough basketball to know some guys in the league, but I'll, I'll let you cop out on that one. Just it's not going to happen again. <laughs> we we raise college basketball players, Alex. <laughs> Who go to the NBA and generally do fairly well. Fair enough. Hey, hey I'm a Georgia <laughs> fan. I knew that on the football side. <laughs> 
Hey, there you go. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with NBA. Um, I'll I'll kind of explain how I picked this first. Um, uh, first of all, with 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 pitchers, I've always liked sort of the the Randy Johnson type, the the giant on the mound that's that's incredibly tall, but can still, you know, intimidate the hell out of anyone he's pitching to and and has some athletic ability on top of just being extremely tall. So I'm going to go with the Greek freak himself, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nice, guys, good choice. Guys, the guy's 6'11", but he's incredibly athletic. So I think that you would have a good chance to be able to teach him how to pitch. And you get a ball coming down at you from, from you know, with his arm extended, we're talking seven and a half, eight feet in the air, batters aren't going to have will never have seen that angle before so even if you're only throwing it 90 92 miles an hour you could probably blow it by a lot of guys so so that's my nba pick uh, for nfl uh i so another attribute i like for for my my batters this time around is speed so i'm picking tyreek hill from the chiefs uh he's as fast of a guy as you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh, he could, he could get out there with Billy Hamilton speed and be an almost automatic base dealer. And if you could, if, if you could teach him how to swing a bat on top of the, the otherworldly speed he's got, could, could you imagine someone with the speed of a Billy Hamilton and, and the swing of like a Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to stop the guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I know, I know it was kind of funny this year, you know, heading into this season with the 25 man roster now going to a 26 man roster. I, I remember seeing a couple of sources comment about, is this where we potentially see the return of the, you know, universal pinch runner? where you have a guy on your bench that his job is literally to go out and run and steal bases. And so, you know, a lot of fun that comes with that was, you know, signing a guy like Usain Bolt, let's say, where in a tight situation in the bottom of the ninth, you need to get runs, you know, you need to get a run across the plate. Do you put Usain Bolt out on first as a pinch runner? Oh, all day, every day. It's two free bases if he's on first base. Oh, absolutely. Good, good, good choice. I, I like your thought on speed there. Well, Jeff, what, what, what do you got for NBA and NFL players? Um, okay. Well, since, uh, since Cam took my, my Kyler Murray, um, Sorry. I will go ahead and use my other backup who also is an NFL player who was drafted. Uh, I'll go with Russell Wilson. I think, uh, I think okay. he would, I think he would, the only reason I really chose him because obviously he has baseball talent because I think the Rockies may have drafted him. I think he's with the or was with the the Yankees farm system technically last, but I, I, or at least for spring last year or whatever. But I believe he was drafted by the Rockies. But um, obviously he can have being a quarterback, he obviously can throw. Um, and I don't know if he played at NC State. I don't know if he played baseball there or not. But obviously he has a, a pedigree for baseball because he was drafted. My choice in uh, NBA is you based 100% off of athletic ability. I have zero idea if this guy's ever even swung a bat in his life. But to me, he is just, uh, when I think of like a model NBA player, I think of Kawhi Leonard. 
And I think that he, has, I, I oh, think that's he's a got great one. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he, he has that demeanor, like kind of like the quiet assassin. Like you don't know what he's thinking. Um, I, I, I think he could probably um, bluff a pitcher out of thinking that he knows what's coming when he doesn't. He just seems like he's the guy that always knows what the other player is already getting ready to do. And he kind of has like a discipline about him uh, that I just, I really respect. I think he would be, um, I think he'd do well. And, uh, and Rakes, you mentioned uh, King Griffey Jr. If we got a second, I got a cool story about that. Yeah, um, go for it. He, King Griffey Jr. has been my favorite baseball player since day one, since he even came on the scene. And still to this day, uh, is, is, I just I love the guy. I'm left-handed, so I modeled my swing after him. I had his cleats. I had his shoes. I had everything Nike ever made that had a 24 on it. I wore 24, you know, just the two, two athletes I've always really liked. And I know Alex, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything about this one was Chris Weber. Um, and then King Griffey hey, Jr. Time out, time out, time nope, out. No, sh- that didn't exist. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't like talking about Chris Weber with North Carolina fans. But yeah. um, anyway, so, uh, for the listeners that don't know, I work in private aviation. Um, and no, that doesn't mean I own jets. That means I help take care of uh, companies' airplanes. But anyway, um, back in, I think, 98 or 99, I was, um, we were expecting an aircraft in. Sometimes we know the passengers they're on. Sometimes we don't. It just depends. And uh, this particular airplane uh, was coming in. It was only going to be here for a couple hours. We weren't sure of the nature of the trip, but we knew that it had somebody somewhat high profile on it because a car dealership had delivered a brand new Camaro, I'm sorry, a Corvette for the person to uh, get in and drive off in. We're like, okay, well, it's got to be somebody if they got a brand spanking new Corvettes in here. So uh, normally when a, a private aircraft pulls up, the passengers are still in the cabin and the, the flight crew will get out and open the door unless the owner of the airplane knows how to operate the door and everything like that. Then sometimes they'll open it. It's kind of an intricate thing. Um, so I'm standing there to, uh, ready to greet the aircraft, not sure who's going to be on it. And the door opens and private aviation, the, the reason people fly private is they don't want the attention, the, the kind of like the stardom, you know, the, you don't want, you don't have like paparazzi and stuff out there. It's just, they, they can fly more anonymously in our business. We have to make sure we're not starstruck or we don't ask for autographs. We don't do that kind of stuff. You know, it's just kind of treat them as normal everyday people. And the door of the aircraft opens, and Ken Griffey Jr. pops out. And I'm, I like what? immediately, <laughs> I immediately turned like to like 12 year old Jeff. And I was just like, oh, you know, and like, I was like, God, I hope my face is not showing what my inside is feeling, you know, because I'm just like, I'm like man crushing, like crazy, like, oh my God. I can really imagine not knowing that ahead of time. Like, uh, yeah, how yeah, like oh, for sure. Action. Like, two, I had like two seconds to like gather myself. And I'm like, oh my God, like my favorite baseball player is standing here. And um, he got off. And he's like, hey man, what's up? He, like, he goes to give me like five. We kind of do like this dab thing or, or that thing. And then he does the same thing to the guy next to me. And he's like, how are you guys doing today? And we talked maybe like three minutes because he was just chit-chatting while his flight crew was getting everything buttoned up and his agent was on board and evidently there was a lady that uh lived in canton that won some type of contest and she won the car i don't know how i don't know if it was a contest for the car or a contest for him to show up but either way she won this corvette and part of the the thing was he was delivering it to her oh wow Um, and so i'm sure that lady had way more of a fun time than i did but for 
those brief few minutes, like I got to meet him and he was so cool and he didn't have to say squat to us, but he stood there and talked to us for a few minutes and made us seem like we were interesting to him, you know, and, and I was like, man, you don't really get to meet your favorite ball player in that environment where it's not like an autograph session or a, you know, meet and greet type thing is like, that was just like a complete surprise. And I was just like, I was on like cloud nine the rest of the day, man. I was like, holy crap. I just met King Griffey Jr. Um, and I've, I've met him one more time since then, um, more recent years, kind of the same circumstances. He was in uh, to play golf uh, in Atlanta and it wasn't quite the surprise, but it was still awesome to get to see him again. But, um, but yeah, you said King Griffey Jr. And that just kind of sparked a story, but um, that was definitely one of my most favorite times of getting to meet uh meet one of my favorite athletes i can't express the jealousy with with audio <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing yeah uh, i mean that's that's something you get to tell your grandkids about oh yeah i mean you're, you're you're talking about a generational player you know at that point it's not just oh he's a major league player. no you're i mean you're talking about a guy who was as close as you could be to being a unanimous Hall of Famer, literally a guy who changed the culture of the game, and you, you know, you got to meet him unexpectedly, but you yeah. got to meet him nonetheless. That's awesome. Well, you know, there's there's several players throughout, you know, well, probably a lot more than several, but you know, you say Babe, you know, you're talking about. You say Nomar, you know, you're talking about. You say Pedro, you know, you're talking about. Like you say Griff, like or Griffy, like you don't have to say King Griffey, you say Griffy or Griff, and like you know who you're talking about, but. I'm not an autograph guy, um, never really been. So to me, meeting a player, a handshake, just just the experience of kind of getting to talk to them for a few minutes and converse with them is is like far better for me. And so to be able to do that and just, like I said, just in that little small space there to get to see him and he was cool and he acknowledged us and he could have easily just hopped out and walked right by us and acted like we just didn't even exist. But he took just a few seconds to say, hey guys, what's going on? He didn't know that I was his favorite uh, or that he's my uh, favorite baseball player. Um, but it, it just solidified it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, I mean, if you're a guy like Ken Griffey jr, you can, you could reasonably expect to be like 30 to 40% of all people in general's favorite baseball player. Yeah. Especially in that time. Frame. I think he came, uh, he was a rookie when I was in eighth grade. I remember, I remember like just kind of watching that swing and being a lefty. I was like, wait, I kind of, I kind of like stand a little bit like that. I, if I just did this, I could swing. And, and so like, I couldn't tell you how many, like even in like church softball or like, I couldn't tell you how many times I missed a ball trying to have that pretty uppercut swing, you know, but it's like, as long as it felt good, I was like, ah, Griffey. Well, and I, I mean, I, I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I, 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 he was kind of the guy that made backwards hats. Cool. Right. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. pretty sure if, if Twitter had existed back then, they would have probably done the same thing. Like, oh, respect the game, boy. But, like, yeah, he, he – I mean, I he mean it, take was, his... it was beyond baseball. It was a cultural thing, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would, well, he would I take mean, his BP with his hat backwards. Well, and, and you remember, too, a few years ago when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, there was a discussion of will his plaque have him with a backwards hat on, which mm-hmm. – it didn't, but to this day, I kind of wish they had gone that route because you think about the cultural significance. It's kind of a travesty that it doesn't. Well, you know, you think about the cultural significance that, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. had on the game. I mean, he had a video game named after him. For, mm-hmm. you know, As we speak, I'm wearing my hat backwards, and there's a part of me that thinks that might not be the case if Ken Griffey Jr. had never existed. Yeah, there, there was a chance, I think, and I don't know the full story uh, 
there was a chance when he left the Mariners. I know he went to the Reds, but there was a brief moment where I thought he was coming to Atlanta. Um, I think there were talks where he was at least interested or the Braves had been interested or whatnot. And of course, he ended up going to, to Cincinnati. But I was so excited because, you know, in the early part of his career, there was no interleague play. You know, you didn't see American League teams unless you played in the World Series. Um, and so I never really got to see him play as a Mariner. But when he went to the Reds, I was like, oh, sweet, he'll come to Turner Field. So one of the very few times I've ever won opposing gear is the first time I went to, the, to see him play. At, uh, at Turner Field, and I had the sleeveless Reds, uh, the gray jersey, the Griffey jersey. Such a and, sweet uh, uniform. He would have been yeah. the second coming of Deion Sanders in Atlanta. Like the city would have latched onto him and and loved him like nobody else. Well, you know, his dad played here too, so to to, to have both of the Griffeys playing for the Braves would have been great. But I don't I don't know if I'm exaggerating that possibility of him coming here, or if it was really a, a potential for him to play here. But I know that there were at least talks about him when he was leaving uh, Seattle either to be traded or signed as a free agent uh, back then, there was at least talks for him possibly coming to Atlanta. Of course, I don't recall that out. offhand, but but I, I remember reading stories that at least alluded to that possibility. So it was out there. Yeah. All right. Up next, we've got a voicemail from the third host of the Mansplain Baseball Elsewhere podcast. This is Marla. Hey, guys, it's Marla. So I'm sure you guys are stuck in a house like a lot of other people and i wanted to know in order to pass the time what is your favorite board game i've got a ton here but i'm looking for something new maybe something i can order let me know what you got all right cam favorite board game what do you got oh man board game is appropriate title uh considering we're all stuck in stuck in our houses right now um okay uh I don't know. I'm so not necessarily a board game, but a game based on a board game. Um, so you know how you can if if you and somebody else has an iPhone and you can play games back and forth through an app. My wife and I have been playing Battleship all week against each other um, on our phones. So that's been pretty fun. But it's been so fun to the point that she and I want to actually get a physical battleship board game set i haven't had one since i was a kid but i loved that game growing up so i don't know battleship's a good one um i'm also going to loosely interpret the term board game uh and go with the game cards against humanity if you guys oh no if you guys played that one never played that i've I've seen it played but i don't know how to play it i've never played (laughs) it that's that's, very interesting that's a game you shouldn't probably play with the kids um so it's a game based on kind of their fill in the blank statements and everybody has uh, seven or eight cards and the cards all have phrases on them that are politically correct or in some way horribly offensive. And yeah, everybody, everybody plays their card with the phrase that they think best fills in that blank that's in the card in the middle of the table. And whoever uh, whoever's turn it is gets to pick which they think is the best phrase to fill out that blank. Um, you're going to have to use your imagination here because we really want to maintain our 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 PG rating. Uh, but is uh, it's a riot and it's an excellent way to get your parents and grandparents to say horribly offensive things in front of you. And it's incredibly entertaining. Well, and and along that same vein, too, of Cards Against Humanity, a couple of other really good card games like that are 
what do you meme? M-E-M-E. Um, and then a new one that just came out not long ago called The Voting Game. Both of those are kind of card game, you know, around the table type uh, style games. Check those out. Th- those are really good, too. But uh, not necessarily kid-friendly. All right, Jeff, best board game. What do you got? All right, I'm going to stick with the theme of loosely interpreted or interpretation of board game, but it's an old game from when I was a little bit younger called Taboo. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Oh, um, yeah. Heard of it. I haven't played it, though. It's, it's, it's a cool game if you are playing with friends that you've known a long time, you have inside jokes, or you kind of have, like, uh, like one-word things GIs can lead towards another clue. But, like, you know, like the... You play with a card and you break up into teams. Like the card you draw would have a name at the top, like so whatever you're trying to get them to guess. If it's like baseball, there's five words listed below that that you can't say. So you know you can't say like home run or dugout or Braves or like you know you kind of have to you have to be pretty selective in how you get them how you give them clues in order to get them to answer it. And um, it's it's funny because I think you have like 30 seconds or something to do the clue and or you can do as many as you can, but. Um, if you're playing with like family or, or friends that, that like I, my buddy Brian, we've been friends since we were in, in elementary school, and like people hate playing that game with us because we can just look at each other and be like, you know, 1996 Chick Fil A. I'm like, oh yeah, bleh. you know, like what, like you, you like, and that's like nothing even remotely close. People are like, how did you, how did you do that? You know, and it's like, well, we got inside joke. So it's just a, it's a cool game. If I, it, it's difficult if you play with someone you just met. Because you kind of have to be like, okay, I don't like. You kind of have to play along more of the, the way it was intended to play. But if you play with someone that you're close with and you have like an inside dialogue, it's perfect. But it's called taboo. I, I've played that one before. It's been years, but yeah. To, to Jeff's point, if you're playing with a group of folks that you know really well, that that can become a lot of fun. All right. So the last one we've got on the text message line, uh, it's from Steve Lamb. You can find him at Real SJL19 on Twitter. His first question is, what is your favorite or best dish that you cook? Cam, what do you got? Um, so I had to think about this one. I actually ended up asking uh, Mrs. Matthews about what her favorite dish that I cook is. And so uh, here's what we came up with. We have a dish that we found a couple of years ago. It's intended to be one of those one pan dishes uh, that, that are all the rage right now. Anyway, what it involves your ingredient lists are uh, red onions, green apples, sweet potato, and chicken thighs. And so essentially you season your chicken thighs however you want to. You sear them in a cast iron pan to get the skin nice and crispy. Pull them out, and then you saute the onions, apples, and sweet potatoes in the pan. Throw the chicken thighs on top of that. Pop it in the oven for about 45 minutes, and then pull it out. And uh, the cool thing is, while you're sautéing your vegetables, you give it a splash of bourbon to kind of deglaze the pan, and it's just okay. a, it's a, it's a good dish. It's a good like winter type dish. It's really filling. Again, if you have a big cast iron pan, it's really, uh, really well suited for that. So that that's one of kind of our, kind of one of our dishes that we don't cook it often, but uh, when we do, we just kind of really look forward to it. That sounds pretty daggum good. I'm gonna have to try that one. Yeah, I, I didn't. Know, I didn't know you knew what you were talking about with cooking quite like that. Yeah. So, uh, f- well, funny enough, I found that recipe. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen him on YouTube, uh, binging with Babish. Oh yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. his videos. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 has a he has a series of videos called Basics where he 
runs you through like basic recipes essentially and he has a video on one pan or one sheet dinners and this was one of the recipes on it and so we saw it and we thought hey you know that actually sounds pretty good and it's become one of those things that you know maybe you know every couple of months we we cook and it's just kind of one of our special dishes that we really enjoy doing cool cool well uh the one i'm gonna go with i'll, I'll go with the one that i've made for my wife on two of her birthdays. Um, it's, uh, it, it, I'm not sure where I, I got the inspiration for it from, but it's got a lot of moving parts. The, the first thing I do is I make something similar to a succotash. I take a uh, whole corn and cut it off of the cob. And then I saute the corn with diced red peppers, garlic, bacon, green onions, um, you can throw pretty much anything you would like in there. And that's going to be the base for the dish. You push, you put that on the bottom. And then what you're going to do is take scallops and sear them really hard on the outside, just for a couple of minutes uh, to get some seared scallops on top of there. And then you're going to take some shrimp. Uh, you're going to soak them in buttermilk for a few hours, uh, dust them with flour, and then you're going to fry them. And so after you fry them, season them with whatever you want to season them with. Uh, you could do, I, I just like salt and pepper. You could do Old Bay or, or something, you know, more more lean towards seafood there. And then you wind up with this with this nice bacon succotash, seared scallops, and fried shrimp. And it winds up being a great dish that you can actually pull off in, in about an hour. Nice. Very nice. So we're all yeah. going to eat at your house for her birthday, right? <laughs> yeah, buddy. I'll, I'll tell her you guys are coming. I know where uh, you live. I know where you live, so I can get there quickly. Uh-uh. Uh, Jeff, when, when you don't have the help cooking for you, what, what's yours? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, during the quarantine here, we had to send them home, so we're kind of fending for ourselves here, like peasants. It's, it's been tough, but um, <laughs> if Nikki hears this uh, podcast, Steve is going to get me in trouble with this question because I don't cook, um, and I don't really have to because my wife is an amazing cook. And I'm not just saying that in case she listens to this, but if you are listening to this, that's why I said it. Um, but I don't, I mean, like literally my extent is like when I have to like make chicken nuggets and like tater tots for Maddox, or if I have to like pour a bowl of cereal, that's me cooking. I don't, I don't cook. I think that she probably wants to keep me far away from stuff like that. Like I'll, I'll help her with stuff, but like, she's such a good cook and she bakes and does a lot of fun stuff. So, um, I don't really have to, and it's not that, um, not that I don't try. I just, I, if I, I think she likes me helping her do stuff um just kind of assisting to at least be present and helping rather than just sitting there while she does it all but um i if you gave me a sheet and said here's what you do i could probably follow it but i would be scared to eat it okay well well to pivot from that what is, what is your favorite dish that uh that the missus prepares then chicken piccata okay it is one of my absolute oh, favorite dishes nice. yeah i mean it's and it's not terrible i don't make it but i don't capers think it's terribly hard such to make. an underrated ingredient dude i'll eat capers out the jar i love capers um <laughs> i i will i'm not kidding i'll get like a like a spoonful and just eat them but uh something about chicken piccata i uh specifically ruby tuesday restaurant when they were still only a jeff would have a chicken piccata story <laughs> oh, i do man i do but like i um i used to go to ruby tuesday when they were a thing i don't know if they're still a business or not but they had a chicken piccata like i think it's probably because that was the first time i ever had it so like i was attached to that one but loved it it was one of my favorite things i get it every time we go and all of a sudden one night oh we took that off the menu 
I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, we got to go. I don't know what else you serve. I don't want to eat anything else. And um, I was like distraught. I was like, oh, like no chicken piccatas. And Nikki's like, I think I can make that. And she made it and it ended up being better than Ruby Tuesday. So I've never had any other ones since hers. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my go-to is chicken piccata. You, you really can't beat a good chicken piccata. Like with, with work, we have a, an annual event at a, at a local country club. And that's one of the dishes that they always serve. But at the office, we always joke about looking forward to that chicken piccata. Like it's just a good dish. Yeah. And it's not like it's anything special. It's just, no, it's not. Yeah, exactly. And a, 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 Cool twist on it is uh, it, take out the chicken entirely, replace it with some thin pounded veal, and do the exact same recipe. It is fantastic. <clears throat> that sounds good. My wife doesn't like meat. She likes chicken. She doesn't eat red meat. And uh, she, it, we're like complete polar opposites because she's like healthy and eats like good stuff for you. And I'm like junk food. And like I'm always the one like trying to go to Arby's and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Um, you know, anytime she makes me anything that has like steak or meat or something like that, or, or chicken, like I always kind of consider it a treat because she sometimes will make it just for me because she won't eat it. But, um, aside from chicken, but, um, yeah, we, we eat pretty well around here. All right. So Steve asked us actually several different questions. His second question is who is currently your favorite non Atlanta brave major league baseball player to watch cam? Who's yours? Um, this is a tough one. Uh, I've kind of got a tie between a couple of guys. Um, as crazy as it sounds to pick a pick a guy on a division rival, uh, Max Scherzer is just a guy that I absolutely yeah. love watching to play. Um, uh, just his his demeanor and, and the way that he handles business out on the mound, it, it's just absolutely unreal. And it it definitely feels like he's from a bygone era. Um. He feels like a guy that would have been pitching back in the 70s and 80s, you know. I mean, you're watching the guy cuss out the batter as he's in his windup. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he's an absolute How psycho. How like, does it get? I would like, be terrified it, facing him. Oh, absolutely. And, and as much as I'm sure, you know, we don't want to necessarily discuss the Nationals winning a World Series championship, one of the coolest things to come out of that was Scherzer sitting on the bench before one of the games, rocking back and forth like a psycho before his start. <laughs> I mean, the man looks like a maniac. I, I, I don't know. He's just, he, he's a character unto himself. And he, he's got the, you know, the two different colored eyes and he's just aggressive as all hell. And literally one of my favorite stories last year was the fact that he pitched a start with a broken nose and still mm -hmm. performed phenomenally. I, I don't know. I, I put him kind of in the same camp of like a, a, a Nolan Ryan or a Randy Johnson, just these guys that He's are definitely a throwback to those guys. Absolutely. He, he's just this intimidating figure out on the mound. And, you know, if you have a chance, if the Braves aren't playing or whatever, if you have a chance to just go watch him start against another team, go watch it. Because we're talking about a guy that 20, 30 years from now, we're still going to talk about the way he pitched and the way he performed out on the mound. I, I, I think Scherzer's probably my favorite player to watch other than anybody on the Braves. That's a great one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with a little bit different angle. Um so uh, a close second for me is going to be uh, Tim Anderson on the White Sox. Uh, the the nice. bat, 
the bat flip king himself. Um, but, <laughs> but my my pick is uh, sadly also going to come from a division rival. In fact, the same division rival as Max Scherzer. Uh, I'm going to pick Juan Soto. Uh, okay. He's he's got everything you would ever want from a player in terms of skill set. Uh, he's he's an incredibly talented player. And on top of that, he's got that swagger that you love to see out of the young guys these days. Like it's I, I can't imagine anyone anyone loving Ronald Acuna Jr. like like we all do and and not appreciating a guy like Juan Soto because they're they're so very similar just in their in their approach to the game and their general attitude. Uh, I mean, you had Juan Soto in the World Series, waggling his junk at the pitcher to try to get <laughs> oh, in. Oh, absolutely! The I mean, all you know, all all jokes about age aside, you know, whatever you want to say, because that that seems to be the the go to line about Juan Soto. The the kid has swagger. Like you you can't you can't describe it any other way, and. I, it's it's exciting to a point that if he does end up signing with the Nationals long term, that Ronald Acuna will always have this foil in a division rival in Juan mm-hmm. Soto. That that will that's, be the, that's awesome. Yeah. That that will be the comparison for the next you know ten or twelve years, however long it is, if the Nationals re-sign him, and that that that's an exciting thought for me. I, I enjoy that idea. I think the yeah. fact that. Um... I think the fact that Acuna and Soto seem to have a mutual respect for each other and they seem to genuinely kind of acknowledge each other's talent is makes it easier to like Soto a little bit or say, okay, he's still a foe, still not going to root for him because Acuna is our guy. But it makes me just not go, I don't like the guy, he sucks. Like, obviously he doesn't suck. But, you know what I mean? So I, think, I think the fact that Acuna acknowledges him kind of makes oh, me yeah. impress his Braves fans. Well, and, and and you can see that those guys, like, truly admire each other. Like, they, they definitely seem like good friends almost. You think back to uh, before last season, that, that Japanese series that, that occurred, and you saw the videos of Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto just interacting with each other. You can tell that there's a camaraderie there between the two. So, you know, to a point, you respect Juan Soto as a division rival just because you know he has the respect and likewise respects our golden goose, essentially, and Ronald Acuna. Yeah, but uh, all of that being said, that's not going to stop me from talking smack about him on Twitter. And uh, hopefully no Nationals fans listen to this podcast yet. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Nats fanatic. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll be the first, I'm sure. Jeff, who do you got? Well, first off, I thought you were going to go with Trey Turner, and I was going to be pissed because uh, that guy was under ugh. my skin. I was like, Gross. oh, I was like, please don't be Trey yep. Turner, but dude's he good. Is to the Braves oh. as Chipper Jones was to the Mets. Like he I, he well, he could go O for everything all year, but he would still destroy the Braves every time. He's he like played. a Chase Utley to me like he's just that guy yeah that thorn in your i'll side. thank you not to that, say that that's, that's on this podcast, sir. <laughs> that's, <laughs> just the last time i'll ever make an appearance on this podcast. how dare you <laughs> no that, that's a that's a really fair comparison and, I, and i'll say for alex and i being carolina fans like trey turner even before his tenure with the nationals has just been a thorn in mm-hmm. in our sides you know being that nc state kind of kid and 
you know, being Carolina fans, Alex and I will pretty much go to bat saying that, oh, yeah, he's your prototypical NC State player. Sorry to any NC State fans out there. It's just what it is. Um, I'm going to also stay in the division, which is crazy that all three of us have picked division rivals. But um, if if you told me to pick any player in the league that I could have on the Braves, it'd be Jacob DeGrom, hands down. Oh, that's a great um, pick. Good, good love, pick. Love that guy. I, I, I was I, so uh, disappointed when he re-signed with the Mets. I, I didn't yep. do and I, I don't think we ever really would, would have had a shot or, you know, inter-division stuff. You don't really you know, have to give up too much. So I, I never realistically thought he would be a Brave. But there's just something about the dude. Like, I, don't, I can't remember what game it was, um, but uh, Freddie Freeman and, and he were going back. It may have even been the All-Star game. I don't know if they were on the same team at the point, but they were, like, jawing back and forth or laughing at each other. I, I really can't remember, but. Like he's just one of those guys that seems like he enjoys playing ball. He's he's good at what he does. He doesn't necessarily have to go out there and like throw you down. You know, he can kind of carve you up sometimes. But um, I just I just really love Jacob Degrom. I wish I wish it, 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 he could have been a Brave. I don't think that it would ever happen now, especially that contract he just signed. But um, but yeah, well, I, I just I like Degrom. And 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 he feels kind of like one of those wild guys too. That you know, you think back to and I'm probably going to get my years wrong here, but you think back to maybe like 2013, 2014, when the Mets really started to solidify that rotation of theirs, when you had Syndergaard and Harvey and DeGrom, to me, it always seemed like DeGrom was treated as, you know, kind of the slot three starter, Mm -hmm. you know, but fast forward now to 2020, DeGrom is the certified ace of that team. If not, you know, possibly the whole division at this point with Scherzer kind of falling off at the end of last year. I, it, it, it's a it's a really interesting, you know, progression from DeGrom. Yeah, I mean, he's always been a, a staple for that rotation. Um, you know, especially like you said, I think he hid, he was kind of hidden behind Harvey um, yeah. when he played for him. And I think he's just always, there's been so much talent in that rotation that he's just kind of gotten like in the shuffle. But I mean, obviously that Cy Young. Uh, That's another one of those teams, like the early 2010s Tigers that had, if you looked at their lineup on paper, you're going to say, how did this team not win a World Series? And Mm -hmm. and I I think they they made it twice, didn't they? Or the Tigers or the Mets? Yeah, the the Tigers. Uh, I think think it it was the Rangers that made it twice. Uh, The Tigers made it. No. I don't know. Uh, Ron Washington took the uh, the Rangers twice, I think, to the series. Right. I don't know about the Tigers, I really I don't keep up with AL like I do NL. But I mean, look look back at that that Tigers lineup. You had Verlander, Scherzer, Anibal Sanchez when he was when when he was at his absolute best. Um, uh, who are the other guys they had? Oh, David Price. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they just had a, a world beating lineup that, that how does anyone get hits off of these guys? And then you've got Miguel Cabrera when he was just the, the most feared hitter in all of baseball and, and that team can't win a world series. It just kind of goes to show you how, how luck of the draw it is to, to win the world series. You can put together the best lineup in the world, but you know, anyone can win on any given day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's the thing is, you know, we, we saw it with those Braves teams in the 90s. I mean, like, you literally had 
one of the best rotations of baseball. You had all these future Hall of Famers, and we only got one trophy out of it. But like they they should yeah. have had they should have had three minimum. They um, so the, so the Tigers made it to the World Series in two thousand and six and two thousand and twelve, and and lost both times. So yeah, they 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 made it twice. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of the show this week. First of all, uh, Jeff Donahue, uh, a huge thank you to you for putting up with our foolishness for this long. It's been uh, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thanks for the invite. This has been a blast. And uh, of course, thank you to all of you guys listening. We we uh, appreciate you more than we could possibly explain. Uh, as usual, you can find us at Average Chatting on Twitter. You can now search for us on Facebook at the Chatting Average Podcast. Find us on there, and we can link up on that site. Uh, and we hope to uh, to see you guys again next week right here at the Chatting Average Podcast. With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.